imagine, imagine you're on your way to St. Louis, you're on I-44, you're, 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 you're got the cruise set, you know, within, within the, the limits of, you know, you're not going to get pulled over or anything. And uh, you cruise right along, and you look up in your rearview mirror, and you see this dude coming up on a cross rocket, just, I mean, just flying, right? Just flying. And he's weaving in and, in and out of traffic, and somebody's about ready to pass you, and he weaves in, 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 into that, and he weaves back out, and he just, boom, gone. What's your first thought? What's your first thought? What? Yeah, well, you're on 44. There's no stoplight. <laughs> There's no stoplights on 44. First thought's probably, where's the cop, right? Where's the cop? Where's the, where's the cop? We, we need a cop right now. Now would be a good time for a cop to show up. So 10 minutes down the road, you've forgotten about it, you've moved on, and then you, you see lights up ahead, right? Lights up ahead. And as you come, you notice it's the dude in the crotch rocket got pulled over. Then your thought is, justice is served, right? Pretend with me that you're on your way to Kansas City now. You're on your way to Kansas City. You've come through Clinton. You're, you're traveling along Highway 7. You're almost to 71. There's shot up to Kansas City. You're almost to 71. And uh, you, you get caught in the left lane with a long line of traffic in the right lane. Um, and uh, you, you get caught there. You don't see the speed limit go down. You got to get over because you got to hit the hit the interchange for 71, and uh, you get over. And when you get over, you notice that you've pulled over right in front of a state trooper, and you see those same lights come on. What's your first thought then? I hope. Well, for you. Your first thought is, your first thought is, I hope he gives me a warning, right? So, <clears throat> one instance, you want justice, right? The gavel's got to come down. In the next instance, you want mercy and forgiveness. The only person that has changed is, it's me, right? <laughs> it's me that's involved in the incident now. We are in this series called Uncivil War. We're going to continue this uh, through Father's Day. When extended a week, we've had so much fun. Um, and I feel like I probably need to go back and redo these two sermons anyway. But uh, we, won't, we won't do that. We'll just let people catch up via, via podcast. But uh, um, we're taking a look at the fact, I, I believe that we're in a civil war in our country. It's not one built you know, on, on you know, Wilson's Creek battlefield or anything. And and, and, and with weapons of war, um, but it's, it's still with weapons. It's weapons of ideas, weapons of the mouth, weapons of, of um, just devouring each other. And I've put in Isaiah chapter 9, the verses that I've referenced um, every week, I've put those uh, back in the study guide, uh, of how much that those verses... Uh, show our culture that we're in, uh, of how we're devouring each other. And this uncivil war is about having a culture that doesn't devour each other. And God teaches us how to have a culture of community that builds each other up instead of devouring each other. We just have to have faith enough to hear and follow it. 
And so we started off with love, and that love is sacrifice. And if we get those three words right, if we get those three words right, love is sacrifice, the rest of this will, will fall into place. The rest of this will come into perspective. And then we looked at and we saw that, 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 that we treat each other with, that as more significant than ourselves. And that we, then we use our freedom, our freedom to serve each other. And then we see that my suffering goes for your comfort. And we see that we need relationships that challenge us, us, challenge us. And then this past week, we took a look at that um, we need to bear one another's burdens. And that burdens in this context to sin, that we, in an uncivil war, we bear each other's sin, not point it out. And today, we take this a step further. As we go farther along in this series, each principle is simple. It's simple. But that doesn't make it easy. Simple and easy are not the same thing. Simple is just simply not complex. Easy is not difficult. Today's uncivil war attitude is forgive when offended. Simple! Three whole words, right? You've already got it memorized. We're smart people. Three words. Doesn't take long to memorize that. Is it easy? Of course not. But if we want to live and have an uncivil war, we have to live this way. Forgive when offended. We're going to take a look at Colossians chapter 3, 10 through 15. You can follow along in the Bible app. Uh, we have an event in the Bible app. You can follow along, take notes in, you save it. You can come back to the study guide scriptures and uh, see more behind uh, or more of what the Bible has to say about uh, forgiveness. Plenty, <laughs> plenty. Um, and then some of the, our small groups come back and take a look at this, uh, take a look at this during their small group. But Colossians chapter 3, verse 10, and, and have put on the new self. We obviously pick it up in the middle of the sentence. You are being renewed in knowledge according to the image of your creator. In Christ, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcision and uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. Therefore, God's chosen ones, holy and loved, put on heartfelt compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience, accepting one another and forgiving one another if anybody has a complaint against another. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Above all, put on love the perfect bond of unity. And let the peace of the Messiah, to which you are also called in one body, control your hearts. Be thankful. The first Civil War attitude that we have in this culture is this. And it gets pointed out here as well. You must be perfect. You must be perfect. We demand perfection from everybody else. And if you're not perfect, if you don't say just the right thing, I am going to jump all over you or put a passive-aggressive thing on Facebook about you. Right? You must be perfect. Our culture seeks perfection. As I've said a couple of times in this series, the lunacy of this is that we're demanding perfection of each other without Jesus, which is impossible. And it's a game stacked in our favor. 
Because when we're demanding perfection of somebody else, but demanding you treat me with mercy, it's a game stacked in my favor, right? It's not fair to everybody else. You must be perfect. Colossians chapter 3, verse 10 is, is, is becoming, is one of my favorite verses of the Bible. And the more I interact with it, the more it becomes beautiful. You are being renewed. Not you are renewed. You are actively being renewed in knowledge according to the image of your Creator. It should blow your minds, this verse. You mean to tell me I'm being renewed in the image of God Himself? But what does being renewed mean? We are a work in progress right we understand this about ourselves forgive me i'm a work in progress but can we remember this about other people they're a work in progress as well the person that cuts you off on the 44 is a work in progress your husband certainly is a work in progress right wives just because we know it from Scripture, where you're a work in progress, right? Just because that's simply what your kids work in progress. But do we demand perfection of them, or do we treat them as a work in progress? It's hard, isn't it, parents? It's easy to demand perfection. It's hard to treat them as a work in progress. Do we treat others as a work in progress as they are? Or do we demand perfection? See, he goes on to tell us, verse 12, as God's chosen ones, holy and loved. See, when we are, know that we're loved, it's easy to pass on love. We're loved by God no matter what. We're loved by God so much that He makes us in His image and is remaking us in His image. Put on heartfelt compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. I'm actually going to read verse 13 out of the New Living. Making allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Uh, reading this one out of the New Living this time, because I love that make allowance for each other's faults. Perfection, yes, obviously, that's the standard. That's the standard of Christ, but none of us can live up to that. So what do we have to do? We have to have margin in between perfection for other people. That's what he's saying. Have margin. Don't demand perfection. Have margin for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Why? Oh, by the way, Jesus forgave you. He didn't demand perfection out of you. He didn't demand perfection out of me. He forgave me when I offended Him on the cross. So what makes us think that we can demand perfection out of somebody else when they offend us? If we want Jesus' forgiveness, it is a hypocrite that says, I demand your perfection. It's not the attitude of Christ. And when we demand perfection of each other, that is civil war. 
That is civil war. Now I feel like overall this church is good at having margin between perfection. After all, I've been your pastor for five years. That's case in point quite enough. We don't demand perfection. In fact, we kind of say if our fly is down, we're going we're to acknowledge it. We're going to laugh at it. And sometimes that happens literally, but separate deal. Another uncivil war attitude is this. That I want you to be just like me. You must be just like me. And usually it's pretty cute how we do this. Usually kind of what we end up doing is you need to be perfect just like me. Now, we will never utter that word, those words out of our mouth. We'll never do that. But what we end up doing is we say things like, how could you be a Christian if you fell in the blank, right? What is that saying? You need to be perfect, just like me. Because we never say, how could you be a Christian if you fill in the blank something that we, that fill in the blank, we don't do, right? We'll never say that. How could you vote this way, drink this way, eat this way, listen to this, do this? It's never something that we have not figured out already, right? It's something that we are already perfect in. So therefore we are saying, how could you not be perfect just like me? This is an uncivil war attitude. This puts the other person automatically as the adversary. How, how could you, how dare you live this way? What's Paul say? Verse 11, in Christ, there is not Greek and Jews, circumcision and uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free. But Christ is all and in all. It doesn't matter if you grew up in religion and had it all figured out. It doesn't matter if you worship the pantheon of gods as a Greek. Greeks thought Jews were crazy. Greeks thought Jews were atheists. How could you just worship one God? Jews thought Greeks were completely irreligious. How could you worship all those gods and do those things that you do in the name of worshiping a God? And now they found themselves in the same church. And then Greeks thought Jews were nuts. You would do what to yourself? Circumcise yourself? Like, you would volunteer for that? Are you guys crazy? Thought they were nuts. And then Jews, Uncircumcised was, was, was a nasty word. That was like the worst thing you could say about somebody. You're, you're, you're an uncircumcised person. It's like you're just the worst, awful person if you're uncircumcised. The barbarians were those outside of Greek culture. They were the uncultured. They were the rednecks. Right? How could... 
How could somebody think that way? Then the Scythians, these were the, these were the warlike people. It was said of them that they drank the blood of their enemy and used their scalp to wipe their mouth with. Now apparently in this church, they're all in the same church. They're all being renewed in the image of their creator. But their background was important into who they were. Literally, he's saying you complete each other because of your backgrounds. We have people in here during the last election that voted Republican, Democrat, Independent, third party, didn't vote. And if inside of you... When I say that, you say something along the lines of how could they, how could you, don't you call them out. We don't understand the Bible. We don't, we don't get it. We complete each other. It takes a diversity in order to understand. And it takes us not being offended at the very littlest things in order to have community. Because if we demand everybody be perfect just like me, it's not community. That's civil war. That's drawing your battleground. In order to build community, we have to utilize each other's backgrounds to understand each other. There's one more in Civil War attitude. If we're all alike, that will bring peace. If we're all alike, that will be peaceful. Paul says, and let the peace of the Messiah to which you were also called in one body control your hearts. Basically, he's capstoning this. Basically saying, if you live like this that we've already talked about, that's when you'll find peace. Peace isn't when everybody's all alike. That's some sort of utopia that's impossible to find. That's from the land of unicorns and rainbows and pots of gold at the end of the rainbow. But come to find out, it's a rainbow coming out of the unicorn's butt, and that ain't a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. You ain't going to find it. Unity isn't uniformity. Unity is deciding that I am going to forgive one another. I am going to forgive when somebody else offends. That's where peace is found. Peace is found in forgiveness, not uniformity. Like we talked about in the facetious stories up front of 
when somebody blows our doors off on the highway versus when we are the ones caught by the cop. We're seeking forgiveness. We desire forgiveness when we're the ones in the wrong. Are we desiring retribution and retaliation and revenge when we're the ones being offended against? How many of you know of uh, a, a, a football coach by the name of Lou Holtz? Lou Holtz. Anybody? 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 Pretty much everybody my age and older. He's a famous football coach, Hall of Fame football coach. I was listening to a keynote speech that he was giving last night. Before he became extremely famous at Notre Dame for winning a national championship, he was the coach of Arkansas. Congratulations, you won yourself a donut right back there. (laughs) Of Arkansas. Um, had all kinds of accolades at Arkansas. Didn't win the national championship, but one of the, most, the winningest coach at Arkansas, winningest coach of the now defunct Southwestern Conference. Just extremely successful, but was fired out of the blue and was given the generic, we're going in a different direction response. He said, I was bitter. Bitter. He's like, I had all the skeletons in the closet. I was going to have a press conference. To reveal all the skeletons in the closet. I was going to be vindictive. He said, my wife talked me out of it. A couple years later, when Notre Dame was knocking on the door, he came to find out that the AD, athletic director at Notre Dame, called the athletic director at Arkansas. And the athletic director at Arkansas said, I should have never fired him. I got, I trusted somebody that was actually telling lies about him. He's the best football coach that I know. And if you have a chance to hire him, do not talk to anybody else and just hire him. The rest is history, right? He won the national championship at Notre Dame and has become a household name in the world of sports and college football. But he says, I would have never gotten the opportunity at Notre Dame if I would have gotten revenge. If I would have let bitterness rule the day. The payoff for living this type of uncivil war life, the payoff is peace. It's said of revenge that it's like drinking rat poison and expecting the other person to die. Just lunacy. Never going to work. But you don't understand what they did to me. I got it. I get it. Do you think Jesus understands what we did to him? As Paul points out, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. The perfect bond of unity is love. Not everybody being aligned. It's love. 
The payoff of forgive when offended is peace. The question is, do you want peace? Do you want peace? That's the question. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this day, this time. Thank you for your forgiveness. Simple message. You've given it to us clearly. But it's a difficult application. Lord, I pray that you move on people's hearts that need to extend forgiveness. Move in our hearts when we need to give forgiveness. When we're the offender and when we're the offendee. Help us build community, not by being alike, but walking by faith that you bring peace and unity through love. We thank you. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.